zip lock that Right on my waistline is why I kept that strap I remember nights, I didn't remember nights I damn near went crazy, I had to get it right Now I'm your favorite rapper's favorite rapper Hey, now I'm your favorite trapper's favorite trapper The absolute truth Hello friends, DJ Pie here driving this episode of The Trap Draw, which is brought to you by our friends at Whoop, the official fitness wearable of the PGA Tour. Whoop is a wearable health and fitness coach that specializes in tracking and improving your recovery, your sleep, and all kinds of activity. Whether you're still hoping to sleep better, exercise more, reduce stress, lower your handicap, whatever you're hoping to do, daily insights from Whoop are tailored to help you meet that goal 87% of Whoop members say that they feel healthier with Whoop. That's a lot of people, 87%. That's that's no joke. Listen, we're deep into the the new year here. You've probably got a lot of fitness goals you've either stuck with or or fallen off of, but Whoop is a great way to stay with those goals, set yourself some benchmarks, check in every day. Uh, it's, It's a great constant as you're tracking things, trying to uh, trying to just get a little better at everything. Uh, with everything from personalized recommendations to sleep coaching, Whoop uses data to provide you with the steps you need to maintain positive routines and build healthier habits. Go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com. Use code NLU to save 10% off your order. Now let's get to this ridiculous episode of The Trap Draw. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Trap Draw podcast. My name is DJ. Kind of in awe of the show that we've got today, guys. We're going to be talking about, uh, of course, the hit HBO show Succession, which returns for its fourth and unfortunately, fortunately, depending how you feel, final season on March 26th. Uh, joined by a, a pretty all-star cast. Well, let's let's get right into it. First of all, he's a new hire here at NLU, longtime Perfect Club participant. Just a warning, you may find his performance histrionic and meretricious, of course. It's Kevin Van Valkenburg. KVV, how are you? Good morning, DJ. Next up, longtime friend and colleague. You've heard him many times on the trap draw. He once flashed gang signs outside of Jean George. You may know him from his rapid reaction, TEDx. It's Neil Schuster. Neil, greetings. Always a pleasure to be with you, Deej. Uh, wondering if I've tied my dick to a runaway train here, but uh, we'll just have to find out. <laughs> Only time will tell. And that laugh you hear is our final guest making his trap draw debut. He's 11th in the FedEx Cup, but 8th in the line for the throne of Luxembourg. It is, of course, Rory McIlroy. Greetings. Uh, heir to the throne. I like that. <laughs> I uh, pre- appreciate that introduction. Rory, let's let's start with you. Pretty obvious question, probably going through a lot of the listeners' heads. Uh, why are you here today? Why did you decide to join this podcast? Uh, why do you love Succession? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm pretty lit on the Succession bandwagon, so um, when... KVV sort of approached me a couple of weeks ago and said, look, hey, I'd love to love you to come on the pod. I thought that that would mean talking golf. And uh, absolutely. He said, no, we, we exactly. I was like, this is this is unbelievable. I think people have really heard enough of me talk golf over the past couple of years. So I, I was all in on this. And as a pretty late starter to, to watching Succession, it's pretty fresh in my mind, and I love the show. I love the dynamics between the characters and the par struggle and everything else that we'll get into. So um, I'm excited about this chat. This is exactly the kind of master's prep that we thought that we, you should uh, get for you. So I know that uh, this is going to be huge. And you can thank us when you put the green jacket on. <laughs> the less I can think about the masters at this stage, the better. <laughs> Kevin, I know we did a uh, we did succession pod this time, what, two years ago or so when, when the most recent season was coming out, uh, just a refresher for the people. What, what do you love about this show? What, what really speaks to you? So as a person who grew up in like, uh, establishment media and also was like a big literature nerd, I've always liked the sort of Shakespearean elements of it and the kind of knifing of people in the back here and there. And just the, the big stakes. I love that. It's a show where the tension always feels like it's in the air but there's no one's ever going to get killed really. Right. Like someone dies in the show, but it's not like the, the Roy's are going to like actually murder each other. Like it's not the Sopranos. It's not the wire. It's just human drama sort of spilling out uh, from every pore of their bodies. And it's so smartly written. I think uh, it's really, I think in a lot of ways, like the best constructed show since the Sopranos and the wire. And uh, so it's just fun to talk with smart people about uh, smart shit. 
and and I will say, you know, I almost made a joke about no one being killed, and and uh, there's there's going to be spoilers galore in this. So if you haven't listened to it, I'm sorry, but it's no fun to talk about without spoilers. So I was going to say only the only the poor people tend to uh, tend to die in this show. Neil, Neil, anything to add there? Yeah, I think on the surface, I'm always a sucker for the scenery, the the choppers, the you know exotic places lifestyles of the rich and famous uh, i feel like the show on its surface is like a modern gossip column and you know i, I you know, at the supermarket i'm i'm looking at the people magazine i'm like yeah, yeah maybe i'll pick it up but the writing in those sucks and what this does is it pairs up like really really good dialogue and i think it also brings to life this like crude excessive lifestyle that maybe you know, us yeomen think about like, oh, I, I bet that's what it's like, you know, kind of brings to life some of the conspiracy theories, the business and the politics mixing all that stuff in a stew. Uh, and it, it's both disgusting and alluring. And I love that about it. But I also think it's it KVV, you nailed it. It's like the humanity of it, right? Like there's uh, the backstabbing, but then there's like these they flash in these moments of like actual love and tenderness, like in the finale of uh, season three when the siblings kind of finally band together only to, you know, just get absolutely detonated at the end. Um, it, they're always like teasing you like, oh, there's a little bit of hope. Uh, no, there's not, you know, and it just keeps you coming back for more. You mentioned something in there kind of about the power struggle and a lot of like what, what ends up driving this show. And one of the things I think is weirdest about it and and weirdly most attractive about it is that there's really nobody to root for, right? I, I don't know how many other shows you watch where it's like, man, I, I just hate everybody in this show. I don't I don't ever like them, but I, I cannot turn it off. I can't stop watching them. Uh, Rory, I see you nodding. You, that seems to resonate. Yeah, I feel like it's more, I, I feel like you, you tend to root for different people at different times, depending on the situation you're in, or you start to warm to one of the characters and then you're like, Oh God, they're awful. And then you start to warm to someone else and then they do something stupid and you're just like, Oh my, it is, it's like this, not, not a car crash in a way that you don't really want to watch it, but you can't stop yourself from watching it. It's like, it's a really complex construction of characters and, and, and just feeling like you get to know them and feeling like they're letting you in. And then, you know, as I said, then they do something absolutely atrocious and you're like, well, you know, I got to try to maybe root for someone else in this, in this narrative now. And you just never, you never get comfortable rooting for someone to try to, to try to get the win. And and I think that's what makes it so compelling and makes you want to keep coming back. And I think one of the things on about season three that, that really was uh, interesting, especially upon like the second watch was they finally kind of say the quiet part out loud, right? There's a scene with Jerry, where she's basically just explaining the entire show to Roman in in the office. And she's kind of like, you know, Roman's saying like, why don't you do this or this or this? And he's, she's like, well, that that doesn't help my position. That doesn't help advance my position. And that's how you need to be thinking. And all of this Roman is like, how do I advance my position? And it's so clear that every other character in the show feels that way, right? And and that's what they're, that's what's driving all of their actions. But for the first time, that's Roman almost like kind of trying to be a shred of a human being, right? Of... He tries to, you know, he gets on the phone with his dad and he's like, oh, if it's not me, you know, maybe it should be Jerry. She's she's really been, you know, subtext. She's really been nice to me and she's been looking out for me and I, I really like her. And even Jerry is just like, no, why are you thinking like that? Like, how does this how does this advance my position? That's all that matters. And it's it's very clear from how the rest of the season goes. That but that's then, all that matters. Then they mix in a line like, you know, Roman, he, he does try to be sincere. It's like, hey, dad, you want me to ride with you? You want to suck my dick? You know, it's just like like they open the season up with that. It's like, oh my god, it's just it's very crude, and it's like taking this very posh and and exotic, uh, rich lifestyle, and you know, it's it's like bringing it down in the dirt. And I think there's an awesome, I don't know, it's like a that's magnetic for me that juxtaposition. It's like almost like you feel like these people don't deserve what they have. A hundred percent. That's the yeah. But I, I also yeah. think like the the show, I guess you would say it's technically a comedy. And maybe I and DJ, I know you're attracted to this too. I like comedy that makes me feel like awkward. Uh and, and I feel like the show is just uncomfortable, right? Like the first season, the first three, four episodes, I was like, I don't really like this. This is making me like I'm having a bad time. And then you start to realize, like, oh my God, there's just a lot of layers to this and you get hooked on it. So I love that it mixes in both the comedy and then it gets like deeply painful. Like all this stuff with Kendall's, the whole season is just a, like a, a fake out on when he's going to, you know, hit rock bottom. 
And there's like, you know, there's the nope, talk little, show moment. A little deeper. A little, little deeper. deeper. And you're like, oh, and then so then when he finally does hit rock bottom, you don't see it coming because there's been so yeah. many fake outs. And I just think that's really good, really good writing, really good, you know, it's good content. Just good character development, right? Yeah. Like all, you know, going from the back end of season two and then into season three and he holds that press conference and just that spiral <laughs> of getting out of control. Yeah. Which on, on that note, let me, let me just ramble for a little bit for for those that it's been a while since you've watched season three let me kind of recap what's what what happened uh season two ends as rory said with the the press conference you know kendall reveals that he is not uh in fact going to go down with the ship no pun intended there to uh that his dad wants him to go down with he he instead hangs logan out to dry at the famous press conference scene Season three starts by trying to convince his siblings that his father is going to do the same thing to them. He keeps trying to tell them, like, do not get in bed with him. Don't get in bed with him. He's just going to he's going to do it to you. He's going to do it to you. And all they're all kind of blinded by uh, the fact that they want to be the uh, the next one in charge and ignore his his warnings. Uh, spoiler alert. He does it to him. Uh, we still have the famous Sandy and Stewie takeover kind of looming overhead. Uh, we take a detour out to uh, what is it? I don't know what island that is. Neil, Rory, you guys are much more familiar with New York. Got to be Montauk something. I feel like it's supposed to be a play on like Martha's Vineyard or Montauk. It's, you know, definitely, you know, it's it's not Fisher's Island, but I picture it in the Long Island Sound is kind of where I'm, my head goes when I see the uh, the foliage. And God, Adrian Brody was such a... I, when he comes on screen, it, it's the best, man. I, I, one of my favorite characters, Josh. I should have wore four or five more layers. Uh, I don't know if we can see me, but I, I, I thought about layering up in honor of, uh, of Josh Aronson, played by Adrian Brody. So they go out him, they go out there to uh, try to make sure he's not spooked about all the takeover stuff. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert: he ends up very spooked. There's a great episode where they low key kind of pick the next Republican presidential nominee, which is. Which is really excellent, you know. Connor Roy was interested in politics from an early age, really of is. course. Remember, remember that. <laughs> we take an unbelievable trip through Kendall Roy's birthday party, uh, which his siblings only attend to get some FaceTime with Lucas Madsen, the Alexander Skarsgård character, who's kind of an Elon Musk type uh, billionaire, whose company Gojo, the Roys, are trying to buy. Uh, and then eventually, at the end of the season, the whole family goes to Italy, where the Roy's mother is getting remarried. Another great character. Kendall has, you know, possibly the scene of the whole season, uh, the dinner with his dad. He is he is finally, he's been beaten enough times. He's finally trying to get out of the business, and his dad will not let him. Uh, after that, he gets drunk, falls off a pool inflatable, and nearly drowns, which reminded me, if anybody who watched this show in real time, uh, very real dialogue going on about whether or not Kendall was dead between uh, episodes eight and nine. Neil, to your point, it, it's kind of just another reminder that like it's almost like the Steve Buscemi Coen Brothers thing where he dies in every movie and they just kind of make it like more and more and more like ridiculous. And like they just kind of level it up from, you know, from whatever blood simple all the way down to like Fargo. He's being put in the wood chipper. Uh, but it's just almost like dumber and dumber stuff that that ends up happening to Kendall, including falling off his pool inflatable and, and nearly drowning while he's quote had too many limoncellos. Well, he's looking like a monk. Also, <laughs> just the, the the way his his haircut, everything just changes. It's just a spiral, man. It's such a vi visceral spiral the whole season. So, of course, hanging over this entire season is also the fact that Tom might go to jail for crimes committed uh, by the Waystar Cruises division. He gives himself up as a bit of a sacrificial lamb uh, to Logan, which creates this like weird, especially you go back and watch it again, of course, very weird, unique, interesting bond between him and Logan for the entire season. You kind of see that all kind of unfolding as Logan starts to take him a little bit more seriously when he he puts some skin in the game. And all that comes back together in the finale when Logan tries to cut the kids out of his plans to sell the company to Gojo. Kendall, Roman, and Shiv, you know, Kendall kind of breaks down, confesses to the murder from season one, uh, which Roman, you know, cleverly claims is, is not a murder, sounds like a hero. Uh, <laughs> and they, uh, they bond together to try to stop him and are undone when Logan is tipped off by none other than the Tom father himself, Tom Wamdgans. Terminal Tom, the Christmas tree, uh, and they are left out in the cold. And that is where we're at heading into season four. Anything that I missed that needs to be covered? I don't think so. Just, I mean, the general Lucas Madsen being the sort of like character who looms over much of the second half of the third season, like 
where Logan is eventually chooses Lucas instead of his children because his real child, like his favorite child is his business. And he sees, you know, Madsen as like the true heir to like, you know, what, it doesn't matter whether his children are happy if, as long as the business survives, because that's what Logan deeply loves. I thought that was sort of a sick undercurrent of the, that season. Did Logan, did he fake that health scare? It's interesting. Or was that, was that a real health scare? And that, uh, I'm trying to think what episode that was. That was episode three, I think, when they go out to, uh, they go out to whatever that island is that, that Adrian Brody's hanging out at. And I think it, it raises the question, like, what, what was the intention of having him out there, right? And and was Adrian Brody's mind already made up and he was kind of just fucking with him, trying to to see how those two interacted with each other? Because, of course, at the end of the episode, you see him and Stewie have a have a nice bro hug on the uh, private jet landing landing pad there. I don't I don't know the answer. I, I almost think it was like it, it was more that it was more more Josh Aronson kind of trying to give himself a reason or trying to give himself justification to to really have no confidence in these guys and and pushing them pushing them around the island until one of them breaks basically i think that was one of my favorite lines was when josh says it's so so simple it's i just yeah thanks i just wanted to check in it's like they made up take two helicopters two private jets just to come up and check in and it turns out his kid wasn't even sick you know it's like oh king kong coming to dance for me like his, his kid's swimming in the pool in the background yeah, yeah so i just didn't feel like coming into the city today i do love afterwards when roman says uh, you know you tried to assassinate dad with the sun <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think you missed much. i mean i think you nailed the yeah. the outline i think there's there's some characters that kind of floated in and out, uh, like Marsha, like she she takes a back seat in season three, but I don't think we're done with her yet. So I, I know we might get to this in a little bit. And then you know, of course, the the ex wife, she's like she's a great character, and and I don't see her, I don't see her coming at the end with you know to just behead the children on her wedding day. It's it's that's brutal. Which again is just a you know how does this advance my position? She doesn't want to give yes. up her flat in in London. Got to got to protect the assets. Hey guys, quick break to check in here and say that this episode is also brought to you by our friends at Roback Activewear. Roback is back for another year. We could not be more excited about it. The fit, the feel, the quality—it's all perfect. You know we love their gear. Now it feels like we can't hit a range without seeing that subtle dog logo or two-striped ridge on the back. I mentioned this a while ago. We were at Pinehurst recently. You can't escape the rowback stuff. It's all over the place. Uh, a couple things to shout out. First, their performance polos fit so much better than your typical boxy polos. The collar never loses its shape. Four-way stretch material is so soft and comfortable. We basically live in these polos. Perfect for the golf course, perfect for going out for dinner, just about everything else. They're that comfortable. Uh, second, Roback Performance Q-Zips are the only Q-Zips we wear, the definition of versatile. Finally, Roback's Performance Hoodies are the most comfortable hoodies we've worn on the golf course, hands down the softest, stretchiest hoodies in golf. If you see us out on the course, odds are we will be in a Roback hoodie. They're just that good. So use the code TRAP, T-R-A-P, on Roback.com for a generous 20% off your first order through the end of this week. That's spelled Roback, R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com, 20% off polos, Q-zips, hoodies, and tees with code TRAP, T-R-A-P. And now let's get back to the succession discussion. Rory, let me flip it to you. You you said you, you came to this late, so I'm very excited for you to have the full experience of you know, watching the episodes in real time, listening to the podcasts, uh, having the whole the whole discourse around each episode is like one of the things that that makes this show, I, I think, really fun. There's just many smarter people than me have have kind of talked about this, but there's just so few, you know, like monoculture feeling things left in the world where it feels like everybody's watching it all at once. Uh, and it feels like, you know, you, you can't wait until the next episode. I'm, I'm curious if what other, what other shows kind of do this for you? What other shows do you feel like you've really gone all in on? Um, I would say, uh, Breaking Bad when that, when that was going, that was one that I, I definitely got into and, and felt like everyone that I knew watched that. Um, I'm sort of going through the same thing at the minute with Ted Lasso. So I, I saw that Ted Lasso similar to was, Breaking Bad. Yeah, very similar. You know, I, I went on to uh, Apple TV, watched the first episode of season three of Ted Lasso a couple nights ago, and just like 
thought that I go straight into episode two, and I'm like, where is it? It's like mm. I gotta wa- I gotta wait a week to watch it. <laughs> like what? What is going on? So yeah, I'm actually I'm I'm excited for the for the fourth season of Succession just to have that same like anticipation of geez, what's going to happen next week? Because I I just I blew through the the first three seasons, and you know I you know as Neil said, once you get past those first two or three episodes in the first season. I mean, you're just so deep in it, and and it's 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 honestly, if if you're watching them back to back, it's really hard to turn off. There's something that's kind of an interesting dynamic that I think is worth bringing up, which is that Rory, I'm I'm going to go on a limb and guess that you have a lot of money, and I think that's I think that's pretty widely available information. But but the Roys have a lot of money, and, and I'm curious how 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 you feel about that that disconnect watching watching the show. Well, for me, it's like. I, you know, and now that I'm a father and, you know, I've, I've got a daughter that's going to grow up in a lot of money. It's like, how do I not fuck her up? <laughs> you know, like you see these children and it's like, oh my God, it's, and it's, you know, it's not just succession. Like, obviously this is a, you know, a, a bigger theme around the world. And, you know, you want to, you want to give your kids enough to be able to help them on their way, but you get into this sort of stuff and, you know, thankfully, you know, hopefully Poppy's not going to have any sort of power struggle with siblings over whatever. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'll have a Waystar Royco sort of company, but, uh, you know, it's still, it's, it, it's gets me thinking, it's like, geez, you know, whenever kids grow up in this environment with these things and they grow, they, they, they grow up around kids that have similar things. It's like, it just, it must just become, you must become so numb to it. So, you know, in my mind, it's it just, it gets me thinking like, geez, how do I, I have this little daughter that's not even three years old. And I'm like, how do I make sure that she's not as fucked up as these kids? Is there stuff in the show that, that gets right about wealth? Like, obviously you, you're not this level of wealthy, but there's, you've been around billionaires before. Is there anything that sticks out to you? Is like, Oh yeah, that makes sense with the person I met like in a helicopter. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, look, obviously, this is very, you know, I would say loosely based off of the Murdoch family, who obviously own Fox News and you know Fox Corporation. And but I, I you know, look, yeah, look, you, you know, you, you're in golf and you go to all these clubs and everyone's wealthy. But I've never the the level of opulence that is shown in Succession. I I don't think I've ever seen before in real life. Like I, you know, they don't, I don't know people that take a helicopter ride to go play a softball game <laughs> and like <laughs> what, you know, I, I, I've never seen that happen. It might happen, but I, it's, I, I've, I've never seen. I think it. that's how Phil went broke. Cause he did the tech helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> he bought that. He bought that dinosaur too. Yeah. T- T-Rex head. I, I think, I think one of the other kind of funny things that, that I wanted to ask you about is you know, I always relate it to the the PJ tour and obviously I worked at the tour for a while and the the line that always stuck with me and always makes me laugh is like everybody think it's getting kind of dated at this point, but everybody thinks that the PJ tour is house of cards and everything is super calculated and there's conspiracies and everybody's five moves ahead and in reality it's veep and they're they're just trying to keep the fucking lights on. And I, I'm curious, like you see that with with succession where it's like, man, these masters of the universe are are just morons and they're just like everybody else and they have the same, you know, they might have a couple more zeros on their problems, but they have the same basic problems. I'm curious if that part has resonated with you or if there's, if there's any truth to that in your, your circles. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the thing that I've realized and I don't, I, not with the PJ tour. I think the people that run the PJ tour are, are very competent people for the most part, but yeah, you do. You realize that, you know, these people that, are CEOs of billion dollar companies or whatever. Yeah, they have the, you know, sort of the same problems as you, not really, you know, maybe just on a different level in some way. But yeah, there's there's idiots in all walks of life that, you know, mess up and do stupid things. And, you know, just because you're wealthy or you're in a certain position in life, that doesn't make you immune to that in any way. Yeah, everybody struggles with their siblings. Everybody struggles with, doesn't get along with their parents. You know, it's, it's, at its core, it's very relatable, but in these settings where like it's hard for you know people to even imagine, like you said, like taking helicopters to softball games, but it's like all they're doing is bickering on the way. Yeah, and then you know, leaving a Patek Philippe watch that's probably worth a hundred grand with the kid that's watching on the sideline. It's like there yeah. you go. 
it's like it's just it's it's and look that that stuff may happen but it's yeah i don't have siblings so i don't know but yeah you you know you fight your parents you fight your your spice you fight you know you've all sorts of stuff going on and it's usually over the most trivial things yeah and that's it's no it's no different whether you've got tons of money or not much money or you're somewhere in between well i got a question it might be a good transition rory i'm curious if you're a con head uh (laughs) and if not what what character you, you mentioned earlier you root for certain characters at certain times like which characters have been your mvps or or who do you who are you drawn to i'm probably drawn to roman and shiv because i think they deep down have shown me more glimpses that they're willing to be somewhat vulnerable you know i just just think kendall's an absolute idiot and connor the same thing and uh you're talking about not a con head i hate not not a not a con head and Logan is, yeah, I mean, just is so driven by the business and by that, you know, it's not, you know, you can, you can pretty much, you know, dissect why the kids are the way they are. But I just feel like Roman and Shiv have been the ones that have given me the glimpse of maybe these people are actually somewhat normal and have a heart and have some compassion. And then, you know, as we said before, then they, they do something to, make you realize that you were stupid for thinking that there's that moment where shiv like asks her dad like please make sure that tom doesn't go to prison like he shouldn't be the one to go to prison which is always like oh like and then tom sort of betrays her later in the same season which makes it kind of all the more delicious from a storytelling standpoint but it makes shiv a little bit like okay like even though she is wants to have this open marriage with tom and wants to basically like run around on him and doesn't respect him she still like doesn't want him to freaking go to prison uh, for shit that he didn't do which I thought like it was wine like wine in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, you know that first various that first toilet wines of white wine, that cool feeling in your stomach when we get I home from that. a long day on an empty stomach. I just I love that, and I'm not going to get that in prison. <laughs> I don't think they have any wine in prison. I, I want to talk about Tom a little bit. He's kind of the linchpin of of the entire season, and he's a character like I think we did kind of favorite characters in the last podcast we did, and and I, I want to say who mine was but i also don't want to give away my my number one draft pick when we draft a dream golf force him here so i'm gonna i'm gonna leave him off uh but tom just rocketed up the rankings for me this year there was a uh there's a ringer article that i think came out today uh did you read that the alan siegel one about kind of the matthew mcfadden kind of making making of tom wom's gams uh you know the, the character and they had such a good point in there that he's such a chameleon in that like he he's different he acts differently truly around every character that he talks to and when he's talking to greg he's a complete like sadistic bully when he's talking to kendall he's almost like something of an equal right like he can see all the ways kendall's kind of fucked up and you know i think he he almost looks down on him but he needs him but it, it kind of levels out into like this this equal thing when he's with logan he's a dog like he's the house dog like he's whatever you need I'll, I'll be at your feet like let me know and it's just so interesting to watch him over the course of season three kind of uh wear all those different masks and eventually where he ends up which is which is saying well shiv like you you said a lot of you know essentially saying you 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 said a lot of bad shit you can't take back including i don't love you uh and uh you know he has no problem kind of sticking it in in shiv and Roman's back when uh, when the time comes. So it's just a fantastic, fantastic performance from him the whole the whole season. Yeah, where did uh, was who did when Kendall said something when they're in Italy about you or was it in Italy where he said like you little Machiavellian fuck you <laughs> or was that or was that in uh, was that in Scotland? I can't remember. But I just you said that. It just reminded me of that. Scene. It's so good. And I think the other thing is like the the other scene between him and Kendall is when. When they go to that diner, which first of all, the whole scene of of him trying the diner food because he thinks it's comparable to the prison food and he's trying to adjust his palate is great. Possibly some of the best sound design in the whole season when it just drops out. You hear him stick his fork into the into the crunchy toast is is so good. But the whole again, the whole season kind of hinges on, you know, Kendall lays out a very reasonable plan like, hey, this is this is what's going to happen. He's going to gobble everybody up. And you're going to think you're safe and you're absolutely not. Do not do this for him. Like, come with me instead. And Tom kind of lays it all out. And that 
you know, the quote is something like, you know, I, I, I've seen you get fucked over and over and over again. I, I've never seen Logan get fucked. <laughs> and it kind of is just like, man, if he's if he's placing his bets, it's pretty clear where he's going to go. So I, I mentioned dream golf foursomes. I think that's a good way into talking about each of these characters. Roy, we're going to do this just a, a typical a typical fantasy draft. Do you play fantasy sports, by the way? I was curious about that. I, I don't. I, um, really not either. a huge... It wasn't a huge thing growing up in the UK, but it's actually, it's getting, it's, it's getting way more popular. All right. Well, we're going to draft, uh, if you had to go play a round of golf, we're going to do draft picks, who your dream foursome is. Uh, so obviously three on each team, Rory, you're our guest. Uh, we're going to give you the, the envious number one pick. Uh, everybody's on the board. Who, who are you going with? I... Oh, David Stern is bringing the envelope to the front. Oh, <laughs> uh, Logan, I think. Wow. Yeah, Logan. Why is that? I mean, he's he's the. I mean, as much as he's an absolute tyrant, I still think it would be really interesting to sort of pick his brain about how he got to the position he was in. I I echo that. I think that Logan is fascinating. And I sometimes I hate myself for saying that, but he shows these flashes of charisma, like the uh, meeting with Madsen and the last episode of the season. I mean, he shows up. He doesn't doesn't mix words. Like, are we going to dance or what? You know, it's like let's get down to business. And then he tells Roman to fuck off and go home. And you can tell he's he has uh, charisma when he wants to be charming. He can be very charming. And then when he starts to get into like he starts to ask him about like you know the world that Madsen does. And he starts to talk about like the U S and how it used to be. And you can kind of read into it. Like he, he has a, a like really sharp perspective on things. He's just so jaded and mean and like, he, I don't know, old that he doesn't ever say anything sincerely to anybody. He just, he never shows his cards. So I'm with you. Maybe 18 holes of golf. You get something out of him. He's like a military general, right? He's like always just seeing the angles and see plotting and sort of like, can't be, human because he has, he's so obsessed with winning that that's like it's yeah just a i also old... think like i feel this way like after rewatching the season i think he does love his kids he just doesn't think they're worthy and the only thing worse than like giving his kids one of them the business is is you know letting somebody have something that they don't deserve it's like that's his like guiding principle and it doesn't matter if you're family or not it's like you don't deserve it man you didn't do the work you're not you're not worthy yet and then they all they all can't wait it's incredible he does want to like one of them to kill him and take it essentially not like truly kill him but like metaphorically kill him and that would like, yeah. make him proud because be like all right you've earned it yes uh, which yeah which kendall tries to do many 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 times <laughs> just, uh, gotta do it though you can't just try but that's where it's almost like a double-edged sword where it's like man but you need to try it's a true if you come at the king you know best not miss situation because if, if you fail at doing that you're you're just going to be even weaker and that's where eventually now kendall's just on a string and logan can do whatever he wants to him but yeah they've all they've all missed a few times yes exactly uh kvv speaking of logan you had a good point on you know we've got this media mogul from dundee scotland why why no golf in uh in logan's past it's a great question i would like to turn that over to someone who, who grew up in the British Isles, uh, part of the in the UK. What uh, what do you make of that? No, it's a uber wealthy family, not a single golfer in it. Yeah, it's uh, it is quite peculiar. I don't know. I I, I would have liked to have seen some golf weaved into the show somehow. I wonder if it's almost like too easy of a target, right? Like it's it's. I think golf is already you know seen as elitist and all of you know wealthy and all of these things and i i wonder if that's almost feels cliche to the to the writing staff well, later in this pod we will get to imagine what country clubs <laughs> the various characters would join because i have written out uh that's that's, that's my specialty here uh, imagined scenarios <laughs> not to hijack the the draft here but one thing i'm i think the show does really really well is they nailed just general stereotypes in our like modern society like we get the senator and it's just like spot on like this mashup of like bernie sanders and whoever right and then you've got the banker laird shout out to laird one of my favorite characters <laughs> from the first few seasons just like everything about him is like god he just that is a perfect investment banker and you have the tech billionaire and you have now you've got you know adrian brody just kind of like the young hedge fund hotshot and I'm curious in season four, like what's the new? I, I'm trying to think of who we're missing from that list. Crypto. You know, like uh, some sort of crypto, crypto for yeah. sure. 
Well, I was going to um, say even the same thing with, you know, I, I meant to mention that earlier, but they they have all the Madsen stuff, the Alexander Skarsgård, uh, Lucas Madsen, Gojo stuff. And I, I think that's probably pretty obviously supposed to be Elon, right? And it, I think it kind of just shows like how good the writers are at, at kind of seeing what pitch is coming, right? Because you got to do all this so far in advance and just seeing the year and a half that Elon Musk has had and and how far out in front of that one they were either they're very lucky or very good at at kind of uh illustrating that character the part where madsen's just like tweeting gifts of him like <laughs> spitting money out is like the most predictive thing that possibly could have happened to see the see into the future of twitter that could have, but, you know, yeah, i mean imagine. even season 2 like you know with the uh turnhaven family this the Saudi billion, you know, the the Saudi billionaire kid yeah. who's, you know, the soccer. I, I don't know. They just do such a good job with just the like cultural stereotypes that I can't wait to figure out who they're where they're going to go next. It seems like they they put a lot of eggs in the basket of the like Jordan Peterson faux intellectual kind of, uh, <laughs> you know, politician with uh, I forget what the guy's name was. The guy who they ultimately picked as their as their presidential nominee. Uh, the Raven something? No, no, no. Ra- Raven heads the. Uh, oh, he's the he's Nazi. The, yeah, the. <laughs> he's the, the he's the broadcaster. Guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. He's the Tucker Carlson. He's the, uh, he's the Tucker Carlson. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I'm trying to think, Neil. I don't know what else. I, crypto stuff is great. Maybe some sort of AI company would be. Seems like we might be in for some deep fakes. Uh, could be a good storyline. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I love, I love how far in advance they are with, with a lot of that stuff. I don't think we're going to get through our draft here, so maybe we should just do one foursome here. We all get to pick one person for it, and then that's the the mix. Yeah, there you go. All right, sure, that works. Uh, KBV, due to our, uh, you know, our our predetermined draft order, you're you're up next. So I would pick, uh, especially if Rory's picked Logan, I would pick Uncle Ewan because I would just love to hear them go at each other the entire time, uh, and Uncle Ewan talk about how. The entire golf course was a depraved mistake. <laughs> how you know they should be playing this with dried out fairways? How the pesticides are just ruining the country? How it just is an abomination? All that would be pretty sick. Uncle Ewan was incredibly high on my draft board as well. Not not necessarily a first rounder for me, but but just a, a massive talent. I'm I'm desperate for more Uncle Ewan in season four. We didn't get enough of him, and maybe he can bring his lawyer out to the round to be the caddy. That that was some that was some good stuff. Is when he sets Greg up with his lawyer, and oh, they're they're just trying to get him to turn on the company. Turn state's so, evidence, yeah. <laughs> oh, I give it all my money to Greenpeace, Greg. Even mine. That was the first money I gave. <laughs> so good. All right, I'm up next. To the surprise of nobody who's listened to this podcast in the past, I'm picking a guy who is he's going to get us out anywhere that we want to go. Uh, he's not necessarily a member, but just knows somebody. Don't have to do any of the any of the member rigmarole when you're with him. We're just kind of in and out and on to the next thing. That's, of course, going to be Stewie. Um, I'm yeah. picking Stewie. I can't wait to spend time with him. Makes me laugh every single time he's on screen. It was a it was a travesty that he wasn't in season three more. Uh, but but hopefully he's uh, hopefully he's back in, especially, you know, now that the merger is, or the settlement or whatever has kind of been agreed upon. He did have that amazing line, though, about like, we're kind of an uneasy coalition and Sandy is a very angry vegetable. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite lines of the season. Neil, who are you going with? Uh, It's a true toss up between the uh, uh, I'm going to start calling the two hyenas, uh, Carl and Frank. (laughs) I feel like they're the like Lion King hyenas to like Logan Scar. You know, they're like they kind of bite but like he just tells them what to do and they're just always around kind of lurking uh but i feel like if you get a couple beers in frank i feel like he you know at the 19th hole he's gonna start telling you some stories about oh god you should you know cruise division and and you know being on the road with logan back in the in the uh in the good old days uh i I think they'd be i think frank would be a good a good hang on the golf course Uh, there's there's like four or five lines that that obviously like just derailed me in this season but one of them was when frank calls logan and he answers the phone just says what's up ancient grains uh <laughs> just un- unbelievable greeting uh but they kind of had that scene neil where like they're they're volleying back and forth like is you know when they they go to the balkans and they're kind of hiding out in uh sarajevo it's like oh is this as bad as blank and they're kind of like oh you know it's not as bad as when yes. we had this it's not as bad when as they're stuck in the airport and carl's yeah. like hey i could eat you guys hungry i could eat <laughs> Nobody's eating. 
<laughs> action stations. I think where I want to go next, we mentioned it at the front. The uh, This season is going to be the finale. Uh, season four. How do you guys how do you guys feel about that? Rory, I'll, I'll start with you. Is that, you know, feel like the right size? Does it feel too long, feel too short? Yeah, I honestly like from where from where season three has left off, um, I think it's about right. I, I don't I just don't know how many more twists and turns that this that this thing can take. So I I, I think it feels about right. I mean Obviously, there's been other shows that have went on for, you know, six, seven, eight seasons. Uh, but I think four feels pretty good for this. I, I, I think, I mean, I, I think we're in for an unbelievable upcoming season. Like, I'm, I'm so excited for it. But uh, I think it feels about right for me. Kevin? I think, yes, I love self-contained things that aren't get sort of stretched on by their popularity. Like, if you were writing a novel, you wouldn't, like start halfway through and be like, are people still into this? Like, do they want to be, did make it be 500 pages or can I make it be 300 pages? So if you think about it, like it's a big novel, the kids have already sort of risen up and tried to sort of overthrow him, you know, once, twice, you know, third time. So now like it either, they either do or they don't. I don't think you can continue to sort of have them, you know, almost topple him and then rally back together. And, and for two more seasons, I think I'm sure that writers are smart enough to, to figure it out if they wanted, but I kind of love that Jesse Armstrong was like, nah, like I think this is where the story should end and then I'll just go make some other stuff. And I always love when artists are just like, no, I'm gonna leave you wanting a little bit more. 1000%. I love the book analogy too. There was a uh, Rebecca Mead from the New Yorker did the, that Q and A, the long Q and A with Jesse Armstrong, the creator. And she kind of made that same analogy and, and, you know, took it a step further in that there's something really electric about knowing that there's only a hundred pages left or that there's only 50 pages left or whatever, because everything just gets a little more magnified and you, you know where the end is and you know that like, Oh God, if this, then why that means they're going to have to, you know, wrap everything up. And I, I just, I think there's so much fun in that. Yeah. And I yeah, think when you're that, racing to the end of a book, it's like just everything's heightened, right? Yeah. The, uh, I feel like we're cresting or peaking on the golden age of television over the last decade, right. With all the, you know, original content across all the platforms and stuff. And I feel like too many shows drag it out and the plot just becomes so outrageous. Uh, like I think about a show like Billions, you know, good first season that just progressively gets more and more outrageous because they don't know what to do. And it's like, oh, well, we're signed up for 10 more episodes, so we better, you know, and I just lose interest in that. So I, I find it refreshing that, you know, you quit before you're asked to leave, you know, or I stop caring. So I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that this is kind of that there will be a culmination. Uh, and even if it, you know, even if I would love another season, like, yeah, go make something else. I'll watch it. Even even Mad Men, I think, is a good comp, too, where it's it's this like beautiful drama with all these awesome characters. But at the end of the day, like the plot is still going to be oh, the agency might go away. I don't know. We're going to have to flip it at the bottom and, and really figure this thing out at the last day. And it's like, oh, well, we've God, we've kind of done this like four seasons in a row now, guys. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And even they still, they almost even still like ended Mad Men open ended yeah. in a way. It was a weird, like it was like a strange ending. So hopefully, there's there's some finality to the to the ending of, of Succession. And like I know that the, the these writers sometimes, you know, they, they end things with you know the the viewer questioning what happened or leaving it up to our interpretation, but. It'd be nice to have some finality around it. Neil, predictions? We're going to oh, see man. some finality? Well, We're going to see some somebody win? I think, I honestly think everyone's going to lose. <laughs> like, in the family. That's what I think is going to happen. Because I think, it, Rory said it up front, it's like, you don't really want to root for any of these people. And then I think it's going to, like, leave a feeling of, like, oh, man, they all self-destructed or they all lost because they couldn't get along with each other it's like that i think that might be like kind of core to the show of like man if you guys would have just stuck together and and looked out for each other this would have turned out differently uh i i maybe i'm rooting for that i, I think i'll have a very hollow feeling if that happened like it, may, it might be more fun if like one person comes out on top but i feel like it's going to be you know madsen or some outsider that just you know kind of takes over because they couldn't figure out their internal bullshit the biggest thing i question is like can you end the show with logan still alive because like is there a scenario where he cedes power and he isn't like the sort of you know 
monster in the corner who you thinking is going to rise up again. Like, I, I don't know the answer to that. I think the ambiguity of what I would sort of like would be, you know, that he doesn't die, that he's still sort of there and you're left to sort of think that they're going to battle this shit out for, for eternity until, you know, he's, he's dead or whatever. But uh, I don't know. It's like, I mean, it's obviously like there's a reason that he's, you know, 82 years old in the show and he's had various health scares along the way. Like I, I think, you know, in King Lear, like you got to kill the king to sort of win, win the next thing, right? So that's the part of me that thinks that's going to be the ending. Uh, should we should we do a little buy or sell? This feels very succession. Sure. feels feels like a classic podcast uh, trope. But uh, let, let's get into it. I'm I'm going to throw out a name. You t- you tell me, you know, you, you're holding these stocks right now, Neil. You you buying or you selling heading into season four? Uh, let's start with the king himself, Logan. I think I'm buying a KV. I, my prediction, I'm going to build off of yours. I, I think he is, he's cruising. He's, you know, he's getting this deal. The deal's not done though. Also, like he, he basically just got access to not get super majority at the end of season three. So it's not like right. they didn't sign any paperwork with Madsen. So I don't know if that goes through. I feel like he, you know, he keeps getting out of trouble. And then I think Logan, I, I, I think he might die suddenly. Like almost on top. It's like you know what I, I I continued to win, and then all of a sudden his heart just stops or something, and then that's when we got to you know the, the family falls apart because no one's ready to take over because all the kids have been you know beaten down so much. So I'm I guess I'm buying, but I'm, I was I, curious I how that think, jives with your investment strategy. I don't think Logan <laughs> makes it through the end of the season, so I'm selling. I'm selling. You're, you're gonna buy for four episodes and then you're gonna unload. I'm gonna it. buy it and then I'm gonna time the market and then I'm gonna sell. Hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. Neil the day trader. Yeah, that's exactly. right. <laughs> that's what. Yeah, that's what they're missing. You know, you get some day trading action. All right, Rory, uh, Tom. I would say stock is 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 you know never been higher. How high can it go? Are, are we buying or selling? I'm selling. I, I just don't Ooh. think Tom can get out of his own way. I, he's He's going to mess up. He's going to do something. He's going to overthink it. Yeah, I'm selling. Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with that. It's it's interesting to think how how long he can ride the wave, right? Where, you know, are are you once you're in with Logan, it's not like you're in forever. Like he 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 changes his, you know, his opinions on a whim and it's just going to, you know, how does this advance my position? As soon as Tom's not convenient, I'm sure he uh he'll get rid of him. Yeah, I, I I don't see any any uh, bright future for Tom. You have to be ruthless too to win the game, and I don't know that Tom is ruthless. Like he's you know he played the game for the first time basically at the end, and and but I don't know that he's I, like. But I might push back on that a little bit because it's it's a little bit like the show Survivor. It's like if you're too. Tom played a great game. He played a great game because you don't want to be the guy that everyone's like, oh, we got to vote him out, right? He just under the radar, like he might be the last man like last man standing because he's just like not drawn any attention to himself. Now he has put a target on his back since he kind of picked a side, but I don't know. I think Tom has a, a way of just kind of cockroaching it, just staying alive. You know, he's, he seems to just outlast everybody. I don't think he's smart enough to play the game all the way to the end though. It, it's, yeah. it's a combo of like brains and stomach, right? Like he, he's going to have to, it's it's almost like a game of chicken and it's like is either his his brain gonna let him down or his stomach gonna let him down before he actually you know to actually keep the car on the road that whole time and it's it's gonna be really interesting to see Neil, i'm gonna give you a a, a good one let's let's do roman romulus well and then i'm, I'm gonna exit stage left you know i've got you got a, you gotta got a meeting to a, yeah i got a board meeting you know i gotta yeah, get I got to the board we're, we're doing a vote roman is where i feel like I mean, it, you see it at the end of season three, Logan goes right at him. He's the weak one. Like when he tries to break the kids up in that last scene, it's like he goes right to pull on Roman's heartstring. It is brutal. It's hard to watch. And he just folds. And I I wonder if it, similar to how they teased us with Kendall's like, you know, demise, or, you know, kind of downward spiral. I wonder if they're setting us up for Roman to finally break through and like be a grown man. Um, but until I see that I'm selling, I just don't think, I don't think he's got the stomach. He just won't, you know, unless his dad dies, he's not going to, he just can't, you know, can't, uh, can't cross him. Also a nice little flash of like, do you want to press charges for sexual harassment, uh, in, in that last 
couple episodes as well for when he sends the uh, the misfired dick pic. Are you a sicko? <laughs> Are you a sicko? I believe we no, have a number of papers. I, be, I believe we invented the term. <laughs> the best scene is on the uh, on the boat coming back for or going to see Madsen. He's like, "What the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> get, get yourself together." He's like trying to have like a moment with his son, oh. and then he finishes it off with, "I I don't want to know. Just don't. Just just I don't want to know." KVV, let's go to you. I'm going to give you a tiny Wu Tang. They were supposed to perform at Too Much Birthday. Kendall Palooza uh, scrapped at the last minute. I think maybe the funniest line of the whole season. Just what do you want me to tell Tiny Wu Tang? You know, tell them it's all ahead of them. Uh, buy it or sell it. I'm going to have to sell, unfortunately. I think that was Tiny Wu Tang's moment that they were never going to get to play another billionaire's birthday party. Uh, they were just, they were, I'm sure they were talking amongst themselves about how that was the big break. And uh, in the end, uh, it's not going to work out. Yeah. So I got to sell. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Rory, let's go with Willa. Connor's Connor's girlfriend turned fiance. Uh, could be the future first lady, possibly, or it could be <laughs> seemingly likely uh, outed as a former sex worker. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna sell again. I, I just I you can't hitch your wagon to Connor Roy and think it's gonna go well. I, I agree. Uh, all right, couple more Shiv KVV. I'm buying with Shiv. I think Shiv is the smartest of the siblings. She's the most competent. Uh, she's the one who really could succeed outside the company. And so um, I think she would be the person who I would most likely place my bets on would sort of come out ahead in some form uh, in this season. So I'm buying. Let, let me let me push back on that. Is Ooh, she? Okay. Oh, I, I, she? I, I agree. I agree with KVV here. I, I, you know, I think Shiv's got enough stomach for both her and Tom in terms of like, I think she... She can handle the fire and handle the heat. I think the best thing about Shiv is that it seems like that, but she just always fucks up and like always gets beat. And it seems like she's always like the smartest person in the room and she carries herself so well. But I struggle to think of a time where it's like, man, no, she really knocked it out of the park. It's just always she thinks her dad's going to let her in and he completely messes, you know just dicks her over if you know she thinks that she's gonna she's gonna pull this maneuver with the board seats her dad is just furious about that it's just like over and over it always seems like she 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 very much seems like the smartest and it i don't know if the results are there i'm i'm, I'm interested i think that's the only really thing, good i think writing. she overplays her hand a little bit in that meeting with the like the family the liberal family that owns like the msnbc yeah, and stuff like, obviously the Pierce's <laughs> announcing herself as the future CEO, like that was a, a folly. But I still oh, think God, Shiv is most so likely to come out ahead. I, I'm going to stick with my prediction. Uh, Roy and I are team Shiv. I, I love it. We'll, we'll, yeah, we shall see. I'm, I'm selling hard. I'm in a big short Shiv right now. Uh, Let's do <laughs> cousin Greg. He has uh, decided to join Tom. Uh, you know who needs a soul? He's he's all in on uh, Team Logan. It seems uh, is that going to work out? Uh, Rory, let's go to you. We, I don't think we've talked enough about Greg. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> Greg is like such a interesting character. It's funny. Like I, uh, I don't, I don't know with Greg. You know, he's got uncle. Yeah, I, I well, not anymore. I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm buying Greg. I, I think something will. And this is, I'm, I'm rooting for Greg in a way. So I, I guess that's why I'm buying it. He could end up being a plane crash away from being Europe's weirdest king. You know, so. <laughs> I kind of I'm buying Greg too because I think he's man. You know, he came from essentially nothing. You know, he was like a you know in the in the first scene we meet him, he's puking out the eyeballs of the the mascot thing at the Waystar Parks. And he managed to rise all the way up to be like on the yacht, being a member of the family and like talking about how the champagne isn't like quite his quality of champagne or whatever. Like Greg, he keeps climbing one way or another. So I think uh, I'm, I'm buying. I think what I love about Greg too is that when he tries to play the game, when he tries to like, you know, what's the move? What's my calculation? He's playing his lawyers against each other. You know, he he's doing like his version of playing chess. He ends up being the manager of the Waystar Buffalo. Right. And he's like, this is my I did it like I, I knocked out of the park. And then it's just as simple as like a tip pass of just Tom being like, oh, what do you think? This thing you don't know anything about, like you in or you out. He's like, uh, I'm in. And that is probably going to rocket him up to, uh, I believe, as they say, the the bottom of the top. So it's uh, it's just a really funny commentary. They do such a good job of of writing Greg in that like he seems like the guy that you you're you're closest to like man i kind of hope he wins he's he's you know that's what i would make a lot of those same mistakes you know i i see a lot of myself and greg and then 
there's just enough comments in there to just be like, man, fuck this guy too. Like this guy sucks as well. And he, he finally gets uh what's her name? Comfrey interested in him. And he's yes. immediately he's Contessa. He's no, imme- Comfrey that Comfrey's the media person. Yeah. Contessa is the Duchess. Or whatever. He's immediately <laughs> off to the other, you know, she's not good enough. It's just, it's just brutal. Uh, all right. Last one. Uh, I'm sure there's there's a million more, but let's uh, let's do the the big guy. He's recently back from the front, shaved head, Kendall. Uh, <laughs> Kevin. Oh gosh, you know what? Oh, we've seen Kendall like f- fail Just so much over his, and over. Checked his stock price is a dollar thirty two right now. Is his current <laughs> think, current stock price? I think I don't know. Maybe this goes against every instinct that I have, but I think I'm going to buy Hell with yeah. Kendall. I think for some reason that uh, you know he could rise uh, in some ways. So, you know, L to the OG, like the, <laughs> my, my dude busting out the sweetest rap of all time. Rory, I'm sorry you missed the first Succession pod where I did the entire rap. Uh, no. I'll have to send that along to you because uh, uh, it was it was definitely one of my best performances of all time. Uh, but oh. I think I'm going to buy. Uh, I think I'll buy Kendall. Rory. I have to agree. I he he's been through so much stuff, and you know, I think now that the whole um, manslaughter things out in the open, and I I see a little bit of redemption for Kendall coming up in this in this season. I think from a storytelling perspective, it makes sense. Like if you just kicked Kendall again all over, it's sort of like it's a little repetitive. So, like having him have some redemptive moment might be a little bit of a twist that would be interesting. And it, yeah, that's another great thing about season three on the rewatch is like he he's just constantly trying like believe him or not, there's so much scar tissue that might prevent him from ever actually doing the right thing. But he's he seems like he's trying to do the right thing. And even when he tries to do the right thing, he just falls off his pool inflatable and almost drowns. You know, it's just he just it's it's so brutal to watch. It's so brutal. Um great scene. I don't know where I'm gonna where I'm gonna shout it out otherwise, but you got to go watch the the GQ uh, ten things I can't live without ten essential items that Jeremy Strong does. I don't know how you really separate the Kendall Roy from Jeremy Strong, as we've we've talked about in the past. But just a just a rich text from which to uh, to pull KVV. He has the original uh, I am the Rulatista card from in and, in and of itself. Another thing we've talked about in this podcast, but he just such good stuff it, it it like you you keep expecting the next thing he pulls out to be like you know game worn david foster wallace uh headband or something like that and it's just it's just unbelievable man most people in this video series are like oh i love this face wash oh i love you know i i can't live without my phone and he's just like well uh robert duvall gave me this leather bound script folder and uh what it makes me think about is well and it's just it's great it's great just delightfully one of the most weirdest method actor lovely dudes like imaginable like the whole thing that the new yorker profile that they wrote about him where logan was like have you tried fucking acting? You know, <laughs> like maybe don't have to live the character, just act, you know, Jeremy, for fuck's sake. <laughs> that was, Brian Cox is just delightful. Like to tell that kind of truth to the New Yorker was awesome. All right, Kevin, let's do let's do some country club uh country club assignments here. This is maybe what I'm looking forward to the most. I'm very curious okay. what you have on this. All right. So uh this is now this originally I, I wrote this up, so some of it might be a little bit awkward in the way that I sort of say it, but I think I think it works. All right, Logan. Um obviously he's got memberships at like if, you, if this is if they played golf, all right. Let's let's reimagine the succession universe where they're all golfers, they're all involved in the golfing universe in some way. So Logan, I would say he's has got memberships at Fisher's Island and Wingfoot and Pine Valley. Uh, he shot his best round ever the old course on a day when Frank was giving him every putt inside of 10 feet. Uh, he blackmailed a member of the RNA to get on the advisory board, uh, threatening to out various members of parliament in the tabloids. Uh, he thought that the open going to Portrush was was a gift to the whores and the degenerates who live there. Uh, and he's furious that he's never been invited to join Muirfield. Uh, and he thinks it's a flat brown piece of shit. And that Faldo looked like a kitty diddler in that sweater. Uh, and he once stormed off of Pebble Beach's eighth hole after hitting five balls into the ocean, trying to fly the cove. <laughs> That's Logan. Yeah, uh, I don't think Ken- there's any, any notes there. Rory, got any notes, no notes on that? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I think that pretty much covers yeah. it. That's uh, I love, Muirfield's a flat brown piece of shit. I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. You can you just imagine Logan saying that? I think because uh, yeah. Uh, all right, Kendall. 
Uh, I'm going to say that Kendall was a member at Wingfoot, but got caught uh, doing coke off a picture of Jeff Ogilvy uh, that he took off the wall from the men's <laughs> locker room. Uh, he's currently on the wait list at the Grove, even though Michael Jordan thinks he's an absolute tool. Bro, bro. Yeah, gonna, bro, bro. Uh, Jordan's going to wet me in any day. It's bro. so sick. <laughs> he's a member at the Bridge uh, in Long Island, but he rarely plays there. He just... He likes to tell people about the racetrack that used to be there. It's just the fucking coolest drivers, man. They just, just push the limits. It's just so cool. And the art. <laughs> big art guy. Shiv is not a big golfer, but she has a social membership at uh, Morfontaine in France. <laughs> she was just mortified when she and Tom had lunch there once. And he was like, uh, excuse me, Garçon, to one of the waiters, because that was just totally not how you should behave in such a high-end French club. Uh, she just loves the, the decadent lunches there. Uh, Roman, uh, he was asked politely to stop showing up at Sabonic, uh, where he played twice in a cart for nine holes over the course of five years. Uh, both times he snuck across the road to jerk off on the windmill at uh, National Golf Links. Uh, and when confronted, he was like, oh, yeah, like CB McDonald never tried to like jerk off of that windmill when he was bored. I mean, just fuck off, man. Oh, my God. Oh. Connor, uh, he's a member of the Cal Club. Uh, he's never broken a hundred, but, uh, he gets lessons every week from Butch Harmon that his dad pays for. The reason he joins the cow club is because it's men only. And Connor likes to say like, I'm not, I'm not against women. Yeah. I love women. They're the fertile crescent that replenishes the earth. I worship their essence. I'm just glad they aren't allowed in cow club. Okay. Like men have to come out of their caves and, and just walk around naked with their balls being kissed by the breeze. <laughs> Seems like a big, uh, you know, they're welcome to join their own club. They're welcome to That's start right. a club. They, you know, we'll I, stop I love women. They, starting a club, what? you know? Uh, Tom is a member at Hazeltine, where his parents were members. Still pays the junior rate there as a result. Uh, he's <laughs> he's a he's a four handicap, but he purposely lost to Logan at Carnoustie one day when Logan shot ninety six uh, and said he shot eighty eight. He has a habit of kind of like just stumbling around and and always fucking up and and letting throwing games to Logan uh, every time they play. Oh. Jerry, she's uh, she's a member at National Golf Links. She enjoys the lunches there. Uh, she once made a hole-in-one at the 1987 member guest with a nine-wood from 132 yards. Uh, never picked up her plaque. She gets embarrassed yeah. when people talk about it. I wish Neil I wish Neil was still here so he could talk about accidentally going into the member's locker room. Oh, sick. <laughs> uh, Uncle Ewan has a state parks pass at Bethpage. <laughs> he, he refuses to play the the black course because it's an abomination that requires more drinking water than most African countries. Uh, he sticks to the yellow and the green. He has a, a one-strap leather bag uh, that play, he plays blades. He always has. He thinks that cavity backs are an affront to decency, which is, of course, why my brother plays them, hitting a tugboat eight iron that's lofted like a six iron. Uh, Stewie. Uh, Stewie hits balls three times a week at the Chelsea Piers while sipping espresso and talking to his favorite uh, private equity vampire squids on his AirPods. Also, uh, also where Neil used to hang out. He used to have a co-working exactly. membership there, I believe. Stewie's never actually played a real course. Uh, he loves to hit hybrids and wedges, but he finds driver a little obnoxious, bro. A little sure. obnoxious. Uh, he does have some Sweetens merch that he got from his dear, dear acquaintance, Andy Roddick. And uh, Senator Evis, uh, he claims he only plays public tracks like East Potomac. Uh, that's his happy place. But when he can get away from D.C., uh, he's actually playing Marion all the time. Yeah. So, you know, and he has a membership there through a shell company. <laughs> Frank was uh, had a membership at Shinnecock, but was suspended for non-payment of dues. And uh, Greg, he plays Marine Park in Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, just a lot of uh, you know dog walking there. A lot of uh, you know good times. Uh, that's that's exceptional stuff. I think Jesse Armstrong. If you're listening, you're you know you're you're curious about your next project. I, I think that that's a first. You know, it's a, a great first call for the writing team there, KVV. That's <laughs> that's really high quality stuff. Well, I don't know how we're going to follow that. I think we, I think we probably wrap it there, right? I mean, I, I know we. Uh, I feel like we touched on a lot of stuff. Only so many times I think we can say, "Man, I can't wait for the seat for uh, for this season to come." So I, I'll uh, I'll leave you guys with with that. I mean, I, I think. Uh, Sorry, I, I can't I can't believe I can't believe Kendall hasn't uh, got a membership at Liberty National. Thought that I thought that would have been that a big was, one. Yeah. Oh, that would have been a good one. Yeah, that that's kind of where my head goes too. Uh, that could be a good like, you know, Kendall. It's just it's too opulent. It's too gauche. It's too, you know, it's yeah. too look at me. Uh, I can't be seen. You know, as he's doing his image well, rehab, he, he just he probably was a member and then give it up to to do the image rehab. Yeah, exactly. Like that. God, how good is the scene where he jumps on stage and and starts reading out the victims' names at the uh, at the shareholder meeting? That's just that's just possibly oh, we, the cringiest moment. We hear you. We hear you.
we get it. Uh, all right, guys. I think I think that's as good a place as any to uh, to wrap it up. Jesse Armstrong, if you're looking for a new lead writer, KVV, I think you're I think you're got to be the guy. Uh, Rory can't thank you enough for hopping on uh, and and talking some succession. One of our favorite topics. I hope you know. Godspeed. Go win this week at the match play. Thank you. Um, just be just be as as ruthless as Logan Roy, and all will be good. I have to <laughs> have to. I think that's as good a training as as anything. So. Uh, all right. If you like Succession, I, I would personally recommend uh, The Ringer does a great week by week. Uh, Prestige TV podcast is really fun to listen to as each episode comes out. Uh, other than that, we will be uh, back with another perfect club at an undisclosed time. KBV, do we know what the next one's going to be? I think we do. I think we're going to talk about The Godfather. Oh. Uh, there's some people at NLU who have never seen The Godfather. Uh, Rory, Surprising welcome back for that one. If you're, never, uh, you know. never seen The Godfather. <laughs> you should, listen, you should I check mean, it out. It's pretty good. Uh, you know. <laughs> Don't don't tempt us into making you just like a regular perfect club uh, fifth member here. I'm I'm, I'm all for this. This is awesome. This is a nice uh, departure from talking golf. All right. Well, you guys are my number one boys. Always. <laughs> number one boys. <laughs> all right. Cheers. Thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Favorite trapper, the absolute truth, yeah, no joke. Who